This morning we are blessed to be joined by Tom and Christine Sine. Tom and Christine are part of the Mustard Seed Associates where they are creating the future one mustard seed at a time. They have been around campus for the last few days interacting with students. On Wednesday evening, they met with a group of students to help us think about new and imaginative ways to live into radical Christian lifestyles here at Goshen. You'll hear a little bit about that, those ideas a little later. Right now, I'd in invite you to please join me in prayer. O oh, Creator God, we love you. We thank you for this beautiful earth you've created and everything in it. We thank you for springtime and budding new life. We thank you for new ways of living into your kingdom. Give us ears to hear what is being said this morning. Give us imagination to think past the norms of society. Give us divine energy to live into those imaginings. In all things, we praise you. Amen. Please join me in singing number 61 in Sing the Journey. How can we be silent? And Tamara will play all the way through it once and then we'll sing all five verses. What? Oh, can you please stand? <laughs>
Good morning, Goshen. Okay, love the energy. Do you love the sunshine? Isn't it been great today? Yeah, we do. It, we're heading back to Seattle tomorrow, and we're so, not expecting sunshine. So we're going to enjoy it today. We have seen some wonderful things, met some good people. Where, where are some of the places we've been, people we've met? Oh, wow. We've been in Bethel College. We've been at Kern Road. Um, oh, sorry. I'm getting, I'm getting the wrong place. We went out to Mary Lee. No. I know. Mary Lee. We went out to Mary Lee, which was a wonderful experience. We did that on Wednesday, which is a beautiful day. Uh, we have been in various classes, and to be honest, at the end of the week, I can't remember which classes that we have been in. We have met with faculty, we have met with staff, we have met with students, and it has been a wonderful time. Yeah, uh, we have not been to a college that has the strong environmental emphasis you have, the wonderful cross-cultural, international quality. Goshen is a unique place. Uh, we really love you guys, and we'd like to be boosters wherever we go. So we're just gr glad to be here, and we thank you for your kind hospitality. Uh, on Monday, on Wednesday, we talked about the future. We talked about taking the future seriously. We talked about the growing times. The recession is over, the shaking isn't. There are going to be many more people that are going to be suffering from the second wave of the recession. As job cutbacks come, cutbacks in state and local funding come, poor and middle class. I don't know of churches that are getting ready because of the problems with energy, food prices are rising all over the planet. These are daunting challenges. The problem is that most of our Protestant churches, and I know there are Catholics present, the Catholic Church is still growing a bit, but most Protestant churches, including the Mennonite Church, is declining and graying. We saw when we were at AMBS, your new uh, denominational headquarters, but I guess I want to say to the to the Mennonite leaders here, I'm deeply concerned. We need your peace and ju justice witness. Our roots are from the evangelical side of the church, but we're convinced Anabaptists. We need your witness, and we're concerned by your declining numbers, losing young people, and I think by the end of the decade, it's really going to hit the funding as it has for other mainline denominations. For young people here, you're living at threshold time. You're going to make many of the most important decisions of your entire life in about a five to seven year window. Decisions about where to work, decisions about graduate school, decisions about singleness and marriage, decisions for those of you that are people of faith, and I realize not everyone is, but for those of you that are followers of Christ, decisions about how seriously to take your faith. These are important times for you. What we were saying on Wednesday, to make good decisions, you really need to take the future seriously. Tomorrow's challenges for you guys really are new opportunities, including imagining new ways to live that aren't as expensive so you have some time and resource. But it also requires taking God's purposes seriously and taking your imagination seriously. We have some of your colleagues, because you weren't with us Wednesday night, that have done some planning for your future. So they're going to let you in on some of the plans at the end of the chapel, and then we're going to invite you to join them. So let's just go ahead and make a beginning. How many are involved in service? Or, out into the community or are planning to go overseas to work in service either during their time here? Raise or your afterwards. hands. Those have done international. Wonderful. Wonderful. Very impressive. When we were together Wednesday, we invited you to do some dreaming about new possibilities. How many came up with a beginning idea, just a tiny idea? 
I see a few hands yeah, here and there. Wonderful. We're going to give you one more chance today to imagine new possibilities after Goshen. So uh, I have a problem. When I travel with Christine, I'm fine. When I travel by myself, I get lost. But it's I true. Consider, I've had phone calls from I all over the world. I consider disorientation as a gift because I've met cows in the south of France and other wonderful experiences that I wouldn't have had if I'd been where I was supposed to go and I was with Christine. So we may get a little lost this morning, but bear with. We're going to try to get it through it. Not only do we need to take the future seriously, but for all who are professing followers of Jesus, we need to take the purposes of God much more seriously. Luke 4, 16 to 21, reminds us out of Isaiah what Jesus was on about. He was called, what it meant for him to be a Messiah of God was not just being committed to God, but to God's purposes for justice, righteousness, and peace in the world. What it meant to be a disciple in century one was different from today. Today it's, uh, you know, show up at church, stay out of trouble, and a little word on the job for Jesus if you get a chance. Ministry is optional. In the first century it wasn't. To be a follower of Christ in the first century, everybody was involved. Everyone was on the field of play. We can't move into the challenges, the dawning challenges of the 21st century with the kind of partial, segmented participation. Most of the churches we work with, less than 10% of the people have any time outside of church and home to be involved in being God's peace and justice. One of the reasons for this is that many of us, particularly in the more popular forms of the church, I believe have gotten discipleship wrong. We've settled for making a living instead of making a difference, and I think we've settled for the imperial sense. I think the global economy works as empire, defining for people increasingly all over the world. I've talked about this in several cl classes. What's happening is the economy is not only defining what reality is, trying to convince us the ultimate in human experience is defined primarily in terms of economic growth and economic terms. None of the historic religions, Islam, Judaism, or Christianity, believes the ultimate in human experience is economic. And it's homogenizing a global youth culture of young people all over the planet that believe identity and self-worth is becoming a part of a very Eurocentric, uh, individual consumer culture and that is a problem. I find people of faith, while they talk in evangelical churches about the lordship of Jesus, it's really about all getting, getting ahead in the suburbs, getting ahead in the career. What is happening that I, I think our, our whole Christian uh, community in America is increasingly seeing marginalized participation because our notion of what's important, what's the val value is shaped more by the culture than by faith. In popular Christian culture in America, there are two visions of the better future. The one is getting a piece of the rock while the getting's still good. The other, in more popular culture, is waiting for soul rescue when things go really bad. Which one has greater influence come Monday morning? Of course, it's getting ahead. And we're seeing declining levels of participation. We're seeing declining levels of giving, declining attendance, and the witness of the church of compassion is being undermined. So where do we go from here? Shane Claiborne, he's been here. He helps us move into an eschatology where we discover in Scripture, as Mennonites have always emphasized, that what God is on about, that's an Australian question, what is God on about, is not just about saving souls, a transformation of our spiritual lives, but God is about societal transformation. 
the imagery of a great resurrected, bodily resurrected, multicultural community coming home to a restored creation where justice finally comes to the poor, healing to the broken, peace to the nations. It's a much bigger deal, and we don't have nearly enough music that puts us in touch. So Shane says we need to live, serve, and celebrate into that new resurrected future that is already here. This is not something around the margins of life and to make good life decisions. I urge you, if you're a follower of Christ, to discover in, in community with other sisters and brothers, what's my part of that? How does God want to use my life, life after Goshen, to seek first the inbreaking of the good news that there is a God of hope and a God of love? And so, life decision number one? Well, life decision number one is not, we believe, where to live. It is not even who to marry, though obviously those are important decisions. But life decision number one it is how does God want to use my life to make a difference in the world? And then making decisions about where to live who to marry, how to commit our lives, and what, even what kind of a job to get based on our sense of how God wants us to make a difference in the world. So, as some of you have heard of a book called Purpose Driven, Purpose Driven Life. Christine and I actually wrote a book that came out three months before this called Living on Purpose. It's a little Anabaptist treatment of the same subject. And it starts with the affirmation, everyone's called. Don't you believe that? I think evangelicals, Catholics, Mennonites all believe that. If we believe it, why don't we provide a, a discernment process? We were talking to Anita yesterday in student services about creating a process for juniors and seniors to take two-day retreat to begin to discern a beginning sense of God's call. What does that look like, Christine? Well, in, um, in our book and when we kind of speak to people at colleges, we talk about the fact, you know, I think most of us are aware of the fact that God speaks to us. And most of us realize that God speaks to us at all times, but I don't think that many of us are aware of the different ways in which God speaks to us. We know that God speaks to us through the scriptures. And most of us who are people of faith have verses that really have a sense of God's call on our life. We know that God speaks to us through prayer. You know, the things that you're called to pray for on a regular basis may be the foundations of God's call on your life. But they're not the only ways that God speaks to us. God also speaks to us through the needs of others. I know that many of us have been deeply touched by the needs in Japan. And those kinds of world situations might have the foundations of God's call on your life. Um, the kinds of things that tear you up inside, the types of needs that you most feel drawn to respond to, maybe at-risk kids in downtown Goshen, maybe elderlies who are shut in and don't have anybody to help them, maybe the poor in Africa or in another part of the world. The needs that make you feel torn up inside may be the foundations of God's call on your life. God also speaks to us through our giftedness. You know, the talents that you have have not just been given so that you can make a living and make a lot of money, but God has given you talents so that you can make a difference in this world. And so those gifts are, I'm sure, the foundation of God's call on your life. And then lastly, God speaks to us through our broken areas. You know, the things that we struggle with are often the foundations of God's call on our life. People who are alcoholics 
are often the best, or have been alcoholics, are often the best at reaching out to other alcoholics. Those who have been abused are often the best at reaching out to others who have been abused. So we need to look at the many different ways that God speaks to us and then work towards uh, developing a calling statement for our life that brings those things together. And one of the things that we are challenging college students with everywhere is to use your sense of God's calling on your life to develop a, a one-year plan for your life. Um, our um, mission statement or calling statement comes out of Proverbs 31 verses 8 and 9, to be a voice for those who have no voice and to bring glimpses of God's shalom kingdom into people's lives. One of the things that we were drawn to in the Mennonite tradition, the Anabaptist witness, is a call to a more radical whole life discipleship, whole life stewardship. Uh, what we hear young people who are part of the new uh, uh, new emerging innovative edge, their calling is to raise the bar to become whole life disciples. If you want to move away from dualistic, compartmentalized, find God's best for your life, find God's call, and then uh, start to imagine a whole new ways to steward your time, resources, juniors and seniors before you leave, developing a one-year life plan of how to live into calling instead of just getting caught up in the rat race and trying to make it to church once in a while. We need a new generation who really puts the purpose of God central to their life. So Kelly, who is a graduate of Goshen, is in New York. She's found a way to work for God's purposes in terms of developing a documentary about the urban young and some Latino women who are finding ways to build bridges together, and it's called Stages. It's, got, it's gotten awards, and she has found a way through arts, starting at Goshen, to work for God's purposes. A young family in... In, in the UK, after we spoke, they felt that God was calling them to be God's hospitality to their community. And as a result, they set aside two evenings a week as a family to reach out to their community. One, to pray for the community. The other one, to have people to offer hospitality to different people within their community. And every week, a different family member had an opportunity to invite people over. And they were finding that not only was their community starting to change, but their family was changing too as a result of this. 25 young, young guys that got out of college in the UK felt God calling them to work with at-risk kids on the streets of Chichester, England. So what they did, since nobody was going to pay them to do this, is that they covenanted together not to work more than 30 hours a week for money, to free up 20 hours a week to work with at-risk kids that were into addiction issues and into gang issues. And as a consequence, they had to simplify their lifestyle living on a 30-hour-a-week income. We don't hear much these days, even in the men at white world, about living more simply that others might simply live, but we need to move away. Tithe stewardship, I'm sorry for those of you that are here raised in a tradition where that's emphasized. I don't think that's New Testament. I think the call to follow Christ is whole life stewardship. How can we use all of our time and resource to live into calling? So we need some whole new approaches. We need some new approaches to community and church. Prairie Wolf. Here, a group of young people bought a couple houses at Prairie Mennonite, and they're looking to do community. Uh, you've already heard about the mustard seed house. We're running a little short on time. Temescal Community is one of the first Christian co-housing communities that started 14 years ago in inner city Oakland. 22 people who went to a Methodist church in the inner city area 
decided to relocate there. They bought a quarter acre with two old houses. They built seven more, solar on the rooftop. They sell energy back to the utility during the summer. They're a green stop on the tour. When they located there, mainly, they were all white people in an interracial community. They did not place their kids in a Christian school or do homeschooling. They put them in Emerson Elementary. It wasn't a real good school flooded it for all the kids that were there. They put on block parties, art installation. They're the shalom of God in that neighborhood. Living more simply, living in community with the shaking times. Can I tell you, you're gonna need more sisters and brothers around, you're going to need community, and you've gotta find ways to live so you don't give so much of your life away to mortgage companies. So Mustard Seed Village, we'll talk about afterwards. Let's go to the next one. Okay, third way is a new church plant in St. Paul. It's also a coffee shop. It's also a community. We need Mennonites to grow again. You're losing 20 and 30-year-olds, but there are young Mennos. They're creating new ways to reach out to your generation, whole new forms of church. And so we need a renaissance of the kind of thing that Shane is doing and what these young folks are doing. Sanctuary Covenant is a covenant church plant in Minneapolis. Half of their church plants are multicultural. This one is 50%, a 40% African-American, 40% European, 20% Latino and Asian. Half their budget goes out the building in economic development projects in their community. And as we move into this new majority future, they're discovering how to be sisters and brothers across race, class, and culture. We need your generation to create new churches that really engage people in other cultures, engage the young. We cannot do business as usual. And we also need new forms of peace witness. Um, this photo here, which unfortunately you can't see very well, was taken in Australia where um, Anabaptists uh, headed by a young man called Jared McKenna were protesting the treatment of refugees in Australia who were basically kept right out in the middle of the desert. And what they're doing here, you can see the masks behind of the police who are stopping them from coming into this refugee camp. And they are taking communion sitting in front of uh, this gate to this refugee camp to protest what is being done to these refugees. The new conspirators we work with all over the planet, Australia, New Zealand, Great Britain, are closet Anabaptists. They share your commitment to peace and justice, but they also call us all to a more serious whole life faith. Let's just keep going. Um, now I want to invite some of your compatriots up here. Quickly, quickly, moving rapidly, jumping, running. They've got plans for your future. And we're going to start with Goshen Cluster Reentry. We've got some people that are going to give you, let's just use the mic there. Quickly tell us about what is Cluster Reentry for people that are leaving Goshen this year. Okay, so our group was brainstorming for ways we could live simply, but also with a mutual purpose. And so we came up with the group BASIC, which stands for the Baltimore After School Interdisciplinary Community. And our, our idea was to form a small community um, using two or three large neighboring houses in the urban Baltimore area, have five to six people live in each house, share meals, chores, um, and have a common passion uh, for serving local communities, uh, especially with, with an after-school programming for the local children, and they would host that in the lower levels of these houses. The group would be made up of people, recent graduates from a variety of disciplines, and each would uh, contribute according to their passions and skills. 
Um, the after-school program would take on at-risk kids um, between kindergarten and 12th grade, and it would focus on empowerment, accountability, and access to extracurricular activities. Activities would include tutoring, mentoring between the older and younger children, and an opportunity for private or group music lessons, as well as theater practice, and other practical skills such as gardening or sewing. The main goal of BASIC uh, would be to provide a safe environment for kids to grow and learn. Okay, super. Now, we go to Elkhart. One of the things that's happening is government money to help people in need, church money is going to be declining. These guys have an invention for you. And talk about what you've come up with as a new way to help people in need where there isn't always government funds and church funds. Okay, our idea is based on the idea of forming a business that does well by doing good. Um, the business idea that we came up with is called Donate a Worker, and what we would do is provide advertisement for an already established business who agreed to partner with us, and then um, Donate a Worker would, connect, would then connect with the welfare and nonprofit agencies to locate people who are in need of assistance such as home, home repair, construction, health care elderly care, anything, like anybody that needs assistance, basically. And then the next step would be putting these two together by once a week, having the companies that agreed to partner with us donate a paid worker to a project or surface service in exchange for our advertising services. Um, the companies donating a worker will pay or our organization a percentage of their added profit um, from us promoting them as a charitable business and making them look good. Um, an example of this in action would be us finding a family in need of maybe like roof repair, and then we would be with a roofing company, and we would have the worker come and repair the roof for free for the family while he's being paid by the company. And then in return, we would advertise that through television and other things, and then get a profit, or a percentage of the profit that the company gets. Thank you. Do you see the possibilities of starting to use our imagination, not just going with the scripts we're all raised with? We can all create new possibilities. And here's a new possibility. If you're tired of being in the dorm with people all the same age doing the same dance, here's a new possibility for you. The first Goshen co-housing community. Yes, so we talked about doing having an intergenerational co-housing community either on campus or somewhere near campus. Um, we could even buy a house, a cheap house, and remodel it or build one. We don't really know. But um, the aim is to build a stable community for communication and learning across generations. And the residents would include. Um, and so for looking uh, for residents for this house, we would want to have uh, a focus on diversity in both the people who are in the house and the situation that the house, where uh, the location of the house. Um, we want to have some faculty and staff or, and some retired people, maybe a family with children, uh, and then students who would cycle through maybe doing a two-year um, two stay there for their junior and senior year. Um, and they would have a, a place in the house that was meant for um, the students that, so that the rest of the house could stay pretty stable. Okay. And then, and, oh, real quick, real quick, within the community we would also do things sort of what Mara talked about in terms of morning prayer and weekly meals and composting and gardening. So there'd sort of be a focus on community in the house and community outside of the house as well. Okay, let's give them a hand. These are exciting times to be living. 
but they're shaking times and the shaking isn't going to stop. You're graduating into a very different world than your parents and professors. It's going to be a more expensive world, a more volatile world. There's going to be more need. Business as usual in our lives and churches will not begin to engage the challenges. So we invite you to imagine new possibilities, life after Goshen, uh, new possibilities for Wild new... Wild Goose Festival, go, did you want to mention it? Oh, yes, let me just mention before I go to that, Wild Goose Festival, if See, you want to find... I keep him oriented here, too. If you want to get together with people that are already on the creative edge, this is going to be a gathering place for the young and conspiratorial North Carolina. It's an import from Britain. It was called the, it's called... Greenbelt. Greenbelt Festival, 30,000 people at a racetrack, some really cutting edge music and art, but it's going to be the Shane Claiborne. Shane's gonna be there and it's gonna be the prophetic edge. So check it out, North Carolina in June. Now to the well, last- Well, and the wild goose is because that's the symbol of the Holy Spirit in the Celtic Christian spirituality. Now, life after Goshen. What is one possible way that God might use your life, your mustard seed to make a little difference in the world? We want to invite you right where you're sitting to bow your head. If you're not a person of Christian faith, think about something that calls you beyond yourself. But for those who are followers of Christ, dear God, how are you calling me through Scripture, through the needs of others, through a broken world? What is that call, and what is one new possibility, life after Goshen? Let's just sit in quietly for a moment and invite the Spirit of God to ignite our imaginations and help us to dream beyond the ordinary to new possibilities that could make a difference in your lives and the lives of many others. Amen. Turn to one person and share whatever is stirring at this moment in your heart, your life, new possibilities for life after Goshen. Everybody talk to somebody, including the visitors. Everybody find somebody. What's stirring? Where's the imagination? What are the possibilities? Okay, perdóname, señores. Venga usted, por favor. Dankeschön. Let's talk. Uh, what we want to do is just say a sincere thank you for the chance to be with you in these days. Uh, we have so enjoyed the hospitality. We've gotten to know so many students and faculty. It's been a gift. Please, 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 before the day is out, Find a friend, find a companion, and begin to dream new dreams. Begin to ignite your imagination. Maybe gather in small groups. You've got a lot of faculty that sit alone in their offices with nothing to do. Drop in on them. They would welcome the visit. And talk to them about dreams and new possibilities of how to use your major, new possibilities for community. They need people to check in on them and give them something to do with their extra time, okay? But talk to one another. These are important days. Take them seriously. God is stirring up something new and doing something new through a new generation. I encourage you to join those who are discovering God's best for their life. It's not found in seeking life. 
the good life of God is found in losing life and service to God and others. There's something new blowing. Please join it. Christine, pray for us. Oh, dear God, we do thank you for young people who are wanting to make a difference in your world. We know that no one in this room is here by accident, nor are they in this world by accident at this time in history. And we pray that you would work in their lives and in their imaginations to help them discover the ways that you want to use their lives to make a difference. And we do pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Please join me in singing number 57 and sing the journey. And uh, trivia question for you, not trivial actually. Uh, what language is that? French? We don't know. We're thinking Zulu. Well, you can sing it in its original language or in English. It's up to you. We'll go through it twice. <laughs> 